Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Podcast. I'm Shelby Hansen. I'm one of your hosts with Sabrina DeYoung. And today we're going to be talking about the talk, God Knows and Loves You by Elder Alan T. Phillips. And one of the things that Sabrina and I were discussing as we were getting started with the recording was just how, as we've sat down and pondered these talks and read so many of them, how so many themes have repeated, even as we were watching it and listening to it live, it didn't seem as cohesive as it has, as each of us have come together, listening to reading and studying the, these, just seeing so many parallel themes and feeling like we're kind of repeating ourselves, but it's because the talks are so repetitive in a good way, because it has yeah. different, different aspects. And the, the people that make the talks, like they don't know what other people are going to say. So mm-hmm. for me, like, oh, that's a beautiful personal revelation. This is what we need to hear right now. Yeah. It just kind of feels like the gospel just is really simple. Like it's, no, we yes. complicate it, but it's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get together with a group of ladies and we talk about conference talks as well, just to, on zoom. And one of those girls, she's so sweet. She's got a, a few, I think like three, four kids that are um, really young right now. And every time she makes a comment, she always talks about how simple it is. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I am an overthinker. I love to make things super complicated and go into deep dives of things. But when she pulls back and is like, oh, this is really simple. This principle is simple. I'm like, that's right. Yeah. It's so simple that a child can understand it. And it is fun to go into the deep, like, you know, spiritual truths for yourself but it also is so beautiful to remember the gospel is so simple. Yeah. I wonder if it just like makes us feel more important to complicate things. In <laughs> <Maybe. some way. laughs> it's like, we feel elevated if we think it's harder than it is, or I don't know. I don't know I'm what it is like, either. It's like, what's the psychology behind that? <laughs> yes. You tell us one of these days, question. you figure it out <laughs> and tell me you know. think about it really hard. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay. So I loved the story at the beginning and I actually replaced his son's name is Jasper. Mm-hmm. And I replaced that with my son's name, Emerson, because this is totally my son <laughs> who like, even just from the part where he's like, Jasper has his own spot, like in the back of the car. And that's like, so I have a van that has three seats in the like middle seat and then three in the back and I have four kids and so there's just like one that has to sit alone in the backpack and it's always Emerson and he likes it it's like his little clubhouse but he's always back there and it would be so easy to not know that he's there <laughs> yep. if that were to happen like yep. this was just so so relatable so sorry let me actually tell this story here he okay so Jasper has his own spot in the car they were on a long drive they got out to as he says you how do you say use the services on this long drive and then they got back in and 15 minutes later they're like where's Jasper like so everybody just like assumed that he'd fallen asleep or was playing or playing a trick right yep and and they go back they do eventually find him he's okay but I'm like this is so like such a good reminder not to judge when other parents make mistakes because mm-hmm. it can happen to anyone and it means nothing mm-hmm. about your parenting it doesn't it doesn't mean anything it's just a it's just a mistake and these things can happen so easily and i also just loved the thought that god knows our intentions yeah and 
and it's just not it, I mean to me like I said what I got out of this story was not to judge because I just related to this whole experience so much Yes. Well, this experience actually happened to our family in a different context. We lost my daughter when she was four years old at Disney World. (laughs) So I, and I didn't realize that we had lost her in the line. I thought that she went ahead with my husband and went on this ride. And I sat back with my sister-in-law and we were just with, because I had a baby and she had a baby. We were just sitting and talking for like an hour and my husband got off of the ride and I said, oh, how did, how did Aspen like it? And he's like, she's too short for this ride. <laughs> Oops. Where is she? <laughs> I don't know. She was with you. And so I, I mean, immediately panic just set in. Like I started bawling immediately. I was like, she's got her head shaved and she's out of the park. I'm never going to see her again. Somebody kidnapped her and took her. Oh, so so scary. It was so terrifying. And what had happened is uh, sometimes when there's a long line and there's a cross point, there's people will like, there's like a break in the line. So during the break in the line, when we were all crossing over to the other side of the street, she just got pulled along with the traffic, the opposite direction. Mm. So thankfully we called the Disney park, like we got a Disney person and they, they found her at, she was, she'd been watching Moana for an hour Waiting, seeing if her parents were going to notice that she was gone. She was so sad, but like, like when, I knew you were gone. I just thought you were somewhere with else. somebody else. And she still remembers it. But I just remember that overwhelming feeling of joy when I knew that she was okay, that she was only like a five minute walk across the park and that she'd been taken care of, that she was watching Disney movies with Disney, you know, characters. Like she was, she was fine. She was very sad, but knowing that even though I had made a mistake, that she was once lost and then she was found. Mm -hmm. And I love that, that in this talk, I keep talking about the Savior's parabolic teachings about gathering, restoring, and striving to find that which has been scattered or lost. And I think that this talk is just so poignant at this time because we're in 2024. COVID is has had a lot of long-reaching impacts on a lot of people. And I think that we're seeing the impacts of that. As I talk to public school teachers, they talk about the the kids that are behind. And as they come up each grade level, they're seeing different kinds of, of challenges that these kids have had from having their, their education interrupted in whatever way it was. And so many people feel lost Mm -hmm. in their lives and there's epidemic rates of anxiety and depression. And I just want to reach out to everybody that is feeling that and tell them there is a savior. He is the where you can find your peace. He is where you can find your grounding. And you are actually not lost. He's looking for you. He wants to gather you in. And well, and even, I mean, even like he knows where you are, right? You are not lost to him. And he meets you where you, you are. Yes. Like he's going to come to you where you're at and be there with you until you're ready to approach him. Exactly. And up to him. Exactly. Yeah. And I looked at the footnotes because it was talking about how among the parables, among these are the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. 
And I don't know why. I mean, probably I got this when we were reading uh, the New Testament, but I didn't realize that like all of those stories are right in a row. Like he's telling them because it's in Luke chapter 15. It talks about um, if a sheep has a hundred, if a man has a hundred sheep and he loses them, he'll go and find him. He'll go after that, leave the 90 and nine and go after the lost one. And then talks about the lost coin with the woman. These are so short. And then Mm -hmm. from that, he goes straight into the prodigal son parable. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I, I just love to think about the savior as somebody that is always mindful of those that are feeling lost. And like you said, they are not lost to him. And coming from a life coaching perspective, that emotion of feeling lost and lonely can be so overwhelming Mm -hmm. and learning how to sit with that emotion, how to understand that I am a human having this physical sensation right now and that turning to what I know, like turning to my testimony, turning towards Christ can help me in that loneliness. Nothing actually in my life needs to change. And I can have a transformative experience by clinging to the covenants that I've made with my savior and with, with my heavenly father. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just feel like that's, that's meeting yourself where you are. Yeah. Right. When you can tap into like, there's nothing wrong with feeling overwhelmed. I mean, he says, I love this line here. Many people feel overwhelmed, alone, isolated, exhausted, right? When we take off the judgment for feeling exhausted or alone or overwhelmed, like something is going wrong that's meeting ourselves where we are mm-hmm. and thereby like being open mm-hmm. again yeah i and one of the ways that i'm like particularly this week i'm feeling lost in is like just in parenting i think that we all go through different trials and struggles with our kids and feeling lost about like how do okay I've mastered this part of parenting and then this new thing comes up and i'm like what am i supposed to do here and one of the most beautiful things that that I feel like the Savior has taught me over and over again is that these children that are in my care are not mine. They are mm-hmm. his. Mm-hmm. That And so I actually, that is one of my very favorite prayers to say when I am feeling lost and overwhelmed is, God, this is your son. God, this is your daughter. I'm giving them to you. Let me know what to do to help them in this moment but I'm the steward. Yeah. Letting go of that almost it's to me, that sounds like letting go of control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell me more what you mean by that. Well, I guess it's just like when we feel like we have to be in control, we're clinging so tightly. And when we're clinging, clinging to something so tightly, we can't receive inspiration. We can't see another perspective or another way around it. But when we let go of that control, it almost just like opens up our view to other possibilities that we may not probably didn't think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And that's so true. I'm like, yep, that's what I was doing. Feeling like I needed to control a situation that was never mine to control either. Right. Well, and then we're also like making it about us, right? When we're trying right. to control something so much, we're making it about us rather than about, you know, about our children or about, you know, whatever other thing, Yeah, a spouse, a, a parent, right. like whatever relationship it is. It usually, and the control comes or the over control Mm -hmm. comes from fear. And I don't know if you saw this. I posted a couple weeks ago, I I found a reel and I posted it to my stories and it was asking like, what's the most common 
what's the most common phrase that's found in the Bible? And it kind of paused for a second. And then it showed like this phrase over and over again, highlighted in all these Bible pages. And the most common phrase is do not be afraid. Fear not. Like we're told not to hold on to fear. And when you are lost, it is a fearful state. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's such a good transition into this part about the sense of belonging and purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like we, you know, okay. And let me, let me (laughs) explain why I think that is because we have this like fear of being alone, right? That is like a core fear that every single person has because of this like old supposed tribal mentality. Mm -hmm. Right. But our tribe is to be a people of God right? Our tribe is as sons and daughters of our heavenly parents. And, and so it does, it makes sense to be afraid to be alone because that goes against our core identity. And so I just, I love, I love this thought of like trusting that we belong to our heavenly parents, right? Brings a feeling of security and brings in confidence and, um, helps us to show up authentically all things that we cannot do when we're feeling afraid. Yes, yes, exactly. And I was just at a conference this past week where they were talking about, it's all about rewiring your mindset around money. And it was a life coaching conference, but it also, she uses a lot of nervous system regulation. And so when we are in a fearful state, she had this great process. I think it might be, oh no, I was like, it might be on my board behind me that you could see, but it's not. But essentially she like, it literally was about when you feel lost. So it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Like she, she had this thing where she said it was th- through Kate Northrup. She's got a great money, a great book called money, a love story. And then also do do less. But she said, if, when you feel lost, stop, the first thing to do is stop. Cause we want to like try to fix, like I'm feeling lost. I got to do something. I'm feeling fearful, but she says, just stop and signal safety, like signal safety in your body. So mm-hmm. those are a lot of things that I teach about for life coaching, like nervous system regulation tools to help your body feel safe. And it doesn't, doesn't take much. It can yeah. be some sort of a breathing exercise or moving your body, like just, or listening to some music, singing, like those kinds of things can help to signal safety in your body, especially if you're sending yourself messages of safety, telling yourself that in this moment I am safe. And then after that, then we solve. Yeah. And I feel like that is an approach that I took too, like with, with some things going on with my kiddos, I was feeling lost. And I was like, you know what? I do need to stop for a moment because I am believing some fear-based story. And I said a prayer. And that was part, that's another thing that you can do to signal safety to your, to your body. Like if you're praying, there is not something chasing you're going to come get you. Like there's no tiger coming. If you're able to stop and pray, you are actually in a safe state, safe space. So I prayed and I signaled safety to my body by allowing God to take his proper role in my child's life. And then when I go to solve, I was like, oh, there's actually nothing to solve. Mm. Like Heavenly Father has this. Yeah, isn't that interesting? When you think there's a problem and when you step back, realize that you're safe. Oh, there's actually not anything yeah. that needs to change. Yeah. Like the answer I got was love, like just love. Like that's it. 
<laughs> like it's so oh, easy. Okay, it's easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. I also really love the part where it says, do not misunderstand or devalue how important you are to your father in heaven. I love this next sentence. You are not an accidental byproduct of nature, a cosmic orphan, or the result of matter plus time plus chance. Where there is design, there is a designer. I just love that it, so many people I think are lost in that they don't know who to believe in or where to look to the source of their being. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the beautiful gifts of being a member of this church is that I know I have a heavenly father. I'm not, it's not an accident of nature that I'm here. I'm not some cosmic orphan just left out here in some planet spinning around. Who knows what's going to happen? I know the plan and the plan of salvation is really simple and really easy to understand. And there's so much beauty in this world. It is by design and by default, if there is a design, somebody is designing it. And that's, that's through the creativity of our heavenly father. Yeah. I love this idea of the designer on both the macro level, like the whole plan of salvation, all the children of God, and then also on a micro level, right? Like mm -hmm. God knows you and he knows your path and purpose. Um, the line right after this is your life has meaning and purpose. And I've actually been thinking a lot about this one, this idea of having meaning and purpose and the scripture from second Nephi chapter two, verse two, I can remember that one because it's all mm -hmm. twos. <laughs> I'm not usually good at remembering, I'm not usually good at remembering um, references, but it says that, and God can consecrate all of our afflictions for our gain. Yes. And, you know, I, while I do believe that there are some times when God, let's see, essentially like, I don't, okay. I don't know how to say this. I don't think that God is like a puppet master of our lives. First of all, well, that's but what I we've been talking about. Times. It's not, it's yeah, not, it's not that, yeah, but and like, I do think that there are things where, you know, we are given a trial, right? Like on purpose from God, because he knows that we can grow from it. I think that does sometimes happen. However, I think more times what happens is just like normal things, right? Like whether it's like, yes. because of other people's agency, because of a domino effect of natural law, because of, exactly. you know, things that just happen, like we go through hardships and the times when God consecrates those hardships and those afflictions for our gain is when we co-create with him yes, and design with him, right? And just work with God to be like, how can I make this for my gain, right? If I look back and, you know, at all of my trials, the things that I gained from them were not directly related to the hardship. It was mm -hmm. like, it was something else. And I think that is beautiful. And I think that's amazing that I can, you know, co-create my life to become even better than I imagined because I allow God in my life. And I intentionally look for the ways that he's making those things be a benefit to me. Oh, absolutely. It's so beautiful. And I was just talking with a client today. She was saying that she's like, sometimes it's just so easy. My life, like when I am doing the things, when I'm, when my life is easy when I'm in the alignment with the spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true is that's, that's in essence, when we are really co-creating with God, we're not resisting against what's happening in our life and allowing all the emotions that come up with it. Because you're talking about like, what do I gain from going through these trials and tribulations? And for me, 
almost always the biggest thing I focus on is an increased capacity to experience emotions. Yeah. And that's a big one. And I don't think it's that huge. Most people are going, no, most, most of us are not going to recognize that, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to see that as a gain mm-hmm. unless we're looking for it, right? Unless we can look back and be like, oh, I, I don't know how I could have gotten through that before, you know, or look at, you know, how much more I can carry now. Mm-hmm. And we don't even realize that I'm able, that I have this capacity unless we look back and be like, oh, it's because I've been through hard things because the Lord held my hand through it. My capacity increased and now I'm able to do so much more. Yeah. That's so good. I want to read a couple of scriptures I wrote down in my planner this week because it was reminding me of that scripture that you shared. They are not new King James version of Bible scriptures. So I'll, I'll preface that. So, a so different... we'll understand them better. <laughs> I know it's a different translation, but I just loved them this week. So one of them was from Philippians 4, 8, and it says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then the second one is from Genesis 28, 15. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Okay. One more Psalms 3:13:5. I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. So the reason that I bring up those scriptures is because like during this week, I was thinking about what are the things that God wants me to focus on. And I think that he speaks to us through scripture so beautifully. And so if you are feeling lost, scripture is one of the fastest ways to help you develop your relationship with God. Hear the words that he has for you, that all the things that are happening in your life, he's going to make those be for your good. And yeah, and like it's, it says here in this in this talk too, Jesus Christ recognized the divine nature and eternal worth of each person. So when we are feeling lost, I think turning to the Savior and understanding how he sees us mm-hmm. is so key and vital for us to understand our own personal worth, our own personal meaning and purpose. Yeah. yeah. I love... I love it. it says the two great commandments are to love God and to love our neighbor. Yeah. And so like going, even going back to this, this part that one, there is one important identity that we all share now forever. And that is that you are a son or a daughter of God. And, and I just kept thinking about like, from that point on, I kept thinking about how important it is for us to like live into our identity, not by like being concerned about ourselves necessarily. Yes. But by just like looking outward, right? Like, again, like this, this sense of belonging comes from feeling secure mm-hmm. and being able yes. to show up authentically. Right. And it, and we can't show up authentically when we're so busy thinking about like what other people think about us. A hundred percent. And, but I'm like, but if we just focus on loving God and loving our neighbor, then we can't help, but only look like, outward, right? Like if I'm looking outside my windows, like from inside my house, if I'm looking outside my windows, then I don't know if the outside of my house has dirt on it or blemishes or, or whatever. Right. All I can see is like, I, all I can see is my view outside of my house and I can just love it. And 
I feel like that is such a powerful way for us to be able to live authentically. If we're just focusing on loving the things that we see mm-hmm. facing outward, right? Like loving our neighbor. And when we love God, then we can't help but want to want to do his work, right? If we love God and know that we are his child, then we can't help but also like take care of ourselves because we are his child. If we love God, then we're going to want to take care of his things and we are his. Oh, so true. And I I love that it goes on from there to talk about that's why we care for people in need. Mm-hmm. We bear one another's burdens. We mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that when we are able to accept what's happening in our lives, no matter what it is, to allow the the emotions, the emotions in our bodies to process how they were designed to do. Yeah. It, again, it increases that capacity for us to have empathy for other people. We are yeah. out- well, and we're not making it about ourselves, exactly. right? When other people are hurting, a lot of the time we're like, oh, but then that makes me feel uncomfortable or, oh, what could I have done to make them not hurt? You know, like when we make it about ourselves and we can't mourn with those who mourn, right? We can't stand with them who need comfort because we're making something about ourselves. But if we're just like, you know, looking at the windows outside, then we are able to tap into that superpower of just loving, right? Just mourning, just being like, it's okay that we feel badly right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people I coach about this imposter syndrome that they want to go out there and do something big in the world, but they feel like they're not qualified. The reason why they do is because they're worried about how they're going to be perceived. And again, like Mm-hmm. I, I don't blame you for feeling that way. I feel that right. Way. Yeah, it's A totally normal. It's, it's yeah. so so normal. But always the antidote for me and what I recommend to my clients too is looking outside of yourself. It has nothing to do with you. You, if mm-hmm. you're feeling called to do something big in this world, it's because there's somebody out there that has a problem that you have a solution for, that you can yeah. help them with. And in ministering, like any, it doesn't have to be business or professional related. Like it could be a calling at church when you're Mm -hmm. worried about like, can I say it the right way? You're not thinking about the, like, if you're in young women's, like I am, I'm worried about not being able to say the lesson the right way. I'm not thinking about the teenager that's having a hard time in her school and what message Heavenly Father's trying to tell me that she needs to hear. Mm -hmm. So again, like, I just think that imposter syndrome is like such this, this term that we coin that what you were talking about looking out the window is absolutely the solution for. Yeah. And I just love, I even love this idea of the desires that we have are God-given desires because he knows our ability, Yeah, right? If we trust that he knows who we are, mm-hmm. loving him, trusting him that he knows who we are, then can that take away that imposter syndrome? right? Mm-hmm. Can that help us to show up in confidence? Even if, yeah, I'm not going to say it the way Shelby says it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're a lot more articulate than me in so many ways, right? Like, or whoever, not true. Right? You it, and who, <laughs> you know, you can put that to whoever, right? If we're, that's just comparing, right? Exactly. Like, but exactly. each of us, every single one of us has a desire to share or to do something. And when we trust that it's a God-given desire, then we're going to show up and do it in the way that he knows that we need to, because it's going to reach the person that he knows that it needs to reach. Yeah. And I think it's so fun that we get to be 
a part of that gathering. We get to be a part of helping Heavenly Father find the lost ones wherever they are. Like he's always looking and and we can find him like just in our closets, like wherever we're at, we can find him. But when we are out there fulfilling what desires God has for us, we get to be agents and helping those that feel lost come back to his fold in whatever way that looks like. Yeah. I just saw this line and the, the youth theme for this year, for anybody who is not in young men's or young women's is I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, like super simple straightforward. And I love this quote from President Nelson that says his true disciples build, lift, encourage, persuade, and inspire. And the way that we do that is by dropping that insecurity and just trusting that you're going to build, lift, encourage, persuade, and inspire in the way that you need to because of who you are, because you are a son or daughter of God and he knows you. Absolutely. And one of the most beautiful parts of the talk going along with that, they speak about yoking ourselves with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Just like we were saying, things are simple and they're easy. We're told that Christ, when we take upon us Christ's yoke, his way is easy. His burden is light. And let's see what I think how it says is, well, it's before that it talks about the atonement, which means at one, right. We become at one by yoking ourselves with Jesus Christ, by coming unto him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Again, it all connects back. It's all just one thing. Mm -hmm. And just having trust in that atonement, having trust that, that Christ has taken care of everything. Like even the things that haven't happened yet in my life, when that happens, when, when things do happen, I'm like, wait, what is, what's going on? Wait a second. Like it's already done. It's mm-hmm. already taken care of. He's already won the battle. He's already won the war. He's already resurrected. He's overcome everything. So having trust in that and then yoking with that power. Oh, it is so beautiful. And again, this is the thing that we keep hearing over and over again in all the conference talks is like they, he asks in the talk, how do we yoke or bind ourselves to the savior? And he quotes elder Bednar saying, making and keeping sacred covenants, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> living on the covenant path. Says, yeah. Making... I highlighted that. I'm like, Oh, there it is again. There it is. I'm not kidding. Uh, making and keeping sacred covenants yokes us to, and with the Lord Jesus Christ. In, F- in essence, the savior is beckoning us to rely upon and pull together with him. We are not, and never need be alone. Like, okay, you're right. I thought I was alone, but I'm really not. (laughs) Yeah. So, so very comforting. I just want to go backwards a little bit. Yeah, go for it. This is like Christ is the rescuer and healer Mm -hmm. of our souls. Mm -hmm. And and what actually came up for me was even even for people who don't believe in Christ, right? This isn't like something special that, that happens for those who choose to have faith in Christ. Like, I think that our faith magnifies the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, but everybody gets that healing and that rescuing and all good things are from God. Like he excludes no one. Mm-hmm. And, and when we see healing happen, when we see change happen, even again, like whether you believe in Christ or don't believe in Christ, it's because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I, I don't know. I just love Absolutely. that thought. I just love that all encompassing love that is always there, no matter what, that is so non-exclusive. 
Mm-hmm. I love that too, Sabrina. And jumping forward again, <laughs> sorry, no, it's good. It's all good. <laughs> this one paragraph, like after it talks about the, the keeping sacred covenants, oh my gosh, now I'm going to, fr- what is his name? Elder Phillips, Elder Phillips. like my brain, Elder Phillips says to anyone burdened, lost, confused, you do not have to do this alone through the mm-hmm. atonement of Christ and his ordinances. You can be yoked or bound to him. He will lovingly provide the strength and healing you need to face the journey ahead. He is the refuge from our storms still. Yeah, well, I do. I think when we do, when we cling to him, when we look for his hand in our lives, when we yoke ourselves to him, it does make it so much easier, so much faster to heal. You know, you get to good, you get to okay, you get to whatever it is that you want to get to quicker when you rely on Jesus Christ and when you look for him, when you make that choice to believe, even when it's challenging. Absolutely. And I think I love that you said that it's a choice. Because it always is a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Belief we doesn't don't... happen. Faith doesn't just happen. No. I don't that's know. It's our I mean, first gift. I know. I, I Well, and I feel like it might. we might just take it for granted so we don't realize yeah. that it's a choice. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you've grown up in a mm-hmm. house of, of faith and belief. Mm-hmm. But we realize it's a choice when someone chooses not to believe, right? When I know. It's leaves. true, right? <laughs> it's so it's true. A choice. Yeah. So, but again, like we have that choice to turn to our savior, especially when we feel lost. And I think that like, for me, I, my, my goal is to turn to Christ first more quickly each time, because growing up, I've always been very high achiever, very over, like uh, very independent, hyper-independent. Like I'm going to do this on my own. And it almost felt like oh, I was giving up if I just like turned to Christ. Cause you know, that was too easy. Mm. Like I got to struggle and suffer a little more on my own before I can turn to him. It and reminds that's- me of when I like put off the epidural until the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought right? it was like a rite of passage every time. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we have so many stories. I love the story of Moses with the serpents and all they had to do to save themselves from being devoured by these serpents was to just look at the staff. And they were like, that's gotta be harder than that. We're the ones making it hard. Christ's way is easy. And I just love that because I, I love doing less in my life and getting more energy and having more, more time and, and more energy for the things that I love. And so turning to him first is a way to like collapse that time in how long it takes to heal from anything emotionally or physically. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. I love that. God knows and loves you. Such a good talk. Thank you all for being here today and listening to our little podcast on becoming spiritually minded. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.